Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine, they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio sci-fi adventure of Space Patrol. But first, national movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to review two movies that recently released, The Man from Uncle and The End of the Tour. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Terrific. Let's talk about The Man from Uncle. We recently discovered the existence of an international criminal organization with ties to former Nazis. Rumor has it they built an atom bomb. They have no choice but to work together to infiltrate this organization. We'll leave you two to get acquainted. So what's this film all about? It's rated PG-13. It's um action and adventure, kind of spy film <laughs> by Warner Brothers Pictures. It stars Henry Cavill. He's a CIA agent, and he's also our Superman. Right. He's played Superman in all these new Superman movies. That's right. And we have um, Army Hammer. Right. He was in The Social Network. and Sure. And he was the Lone Ranger. Yeah. He's the KGB agent, Elian Kuryakin. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So right. It's based on the TV series of the 60 and Guy Ritchie directs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it kind of starts with these, old, we see old newspaper clippings and headlines. Brings us back to 1963 when the Berlin Wall was erected. We have the East and West Germany. And we first meet Solo and Kuryakin, and they're both tracking the same German scientist. Unbeknownst to them, they're both really, at one point, trying to kill each other. Mm. Which, is, <laughs> which Guy Ritchie has his hand in the script, and he's made it a little bit comical. It has that Sherlock Holmes feel, you know, what he did with the Sherlock Holmes character yeah. uh, or, and the movies, um, you know, so uh, it looks visually fun. Here's another clip from The Man from Uncle. How did you get the invitation to my party? I stole it. So you're a thief. I hope you're wearing masks. Sometimes. Just never when I'm stealing things. <gasps> Not very good at this whole subtlety thing, are you? It'll be like this for 20 minutes. Can't touch. So what did you think of this film? You know, I'm in. Three stars. Um, here's a refreshing change, actually, um, from director Guy Ritchie. There's no in-your-face violence. Mm-hmm. Because his movies in the past were extremely violent. But this is not. It's kind of a throwback to the past. Um, it's, it's really slowly paced. Yeah. Really slowly paced. And the visual design of it is it's just stylized. The 60 sets are amazing. The script, as I said, is humorous. The, the, the uh, performances are spot on as well. Okay. Really uh, enjoyed this. All right, so three stars? Yes, three, three stars. Three stars for the man from Uncle. Okay, let's talk now about the end of the tour. I got a real serious fear of being a certain way. I treasure my regular guyness. You don't crack open a thousand-page book because you heard the author is a regular guy. You do it because he's brilliant. 
What is with you? What is with you? I'm not so sure you want to be me. Just be a good guy. So what's this film all about? Uh, this is a drama. It's rated R by Kilburn Media. It stars Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel. It's a story of a five-day interview between Rolling Stone reporter David Lipsky, who's Eisenberg, and the acclaimed novelist David Foster Wallace. Right, based on a true story. Then. Yeah. Yeah, it's based on a true story. And this took place in 1996 after Wallace's groundbreaking epic novel was a thousand pages. Yeah, over a thousand pages, yeah, right? Yeah, Infinite Jest. So this is what's interesting. Lispy travels from New York to normal Illinois. Huh. Yeah. David Foster Wallace is teaching. He's a professor at Illinois State, kind of close to home. It's interesting. Yeah. It's in, our, <laughs> in Illinois. Um but what we see in the script, it's just the two of them, honestly. Right. With this. Um, it's a road trip. It's a yep. road trip buddy movie. Yes. And they are both extremely intelligent right. people. And they're both trying to kind of psych each other out. So they are very uncomfortable with each other. And they even say so. Yeah. So at times you're not sure if they're telling the truth or not. Yeah. And it's really interesting. So. Yeah, they reveal some hidden flaws, and we're never clear what role this is going to take. Right. All right, another clip from the end of the tour. The more people think you're really great, the bigger the fear of being a fraud is. David thought books existed to stop you from feeling lonely. Living those days with him reminded me of what life is like. And the conversation is the best one I ever had. What did you think of the film? You know, I'm in... Um, this is a demanding script for both actors, and they handle it very well. And I'd say the acting is a reason to see the film, but it's dark, so I don't think it's for everyone. It, the tone and mood is it's also very cold yeah. sort of a film. Uh, and I had a lot of questions that were unanswered at the end. You know, how was the Rolling Stone article received? Did the two remain friends? Did Wallace ever get married? So many questions and were they left leave on. you they leave you without the uh, answering those yeah, things. Yeah, they hmm. do. But these performances, we may see Oscar yeah. nominations for. Well, yeah, I, I'm hearing that Jason Siegel is just off the uh, off the charts in this. He is in in his character, and uh, and of course Jesse Eisenberg, he's really really great in everything, and he's playing the new Lex Luthor in the Superman movie. So oh. look out for him in that. Yes, he is. All right, so how many stars for this? I'd say three. Three stars. All right, so three stars for the end of the tour and three stars for The Man from UNCLE. You heard it here on Hollywood 360, but check out all of Sarah Adamson's reviews, not just the ones she does here. There's many more at her website at sarahsbackstagepass.com. Sarah, great having you on the show. Thank you, Carl. It's always my pleasure. Lisa, I want to make sure that we remind our listeners that we have this awesome drawing that we're giving away every single month, the CEO of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter is going to give away a whole year's supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter. Which is a superior product. It is. Um, and anybody who has a cat would be thrilled to have a year's supply because that's a pretty valuable gift. Absolutely. And you know what? If you have a cat, and even if you don't have a cat, make sure you tell a family member or a friend that has a cat about this contest because... All you have to do is take a picture of you and your cat and email it to us at catspridephoto at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Just send that in, and then uh, we'll post it, and we will do a drawing every single month. Are we going to do the drawing on the air, Carl? We're going to do the drawing, yeah. 
I don't know if it's going to be on I, the I air. I don't know either. So but we I don't will know. do a drawing. You bet. And uh, even though Lisa's uh, uh, daughter sent in a picture, she looks just as cute as can be. She's not eligible because well, she's related to you. We've got uh, your sister who has sent multiple photos. She's not as one well. either. No. But uh, we'll have to try out Cat's Pride um, because it's worth it, even if we don't get it for free. No, but we definitely want our listeners all across the country send us photos of you and your cat, and your cat's name and your name and your city and state. Just email that at your uh, earliest convenience to us here at Cat's Pride Photo at Gmail. Dot com. And you can do it every month because we're going to do a drawing every month. So 12 times for the next 52 weeks, we're going to do it 12 times. I like the math there. Ooh, that the was math good. going on and here. And also, you know, we're having a lot of fun looking at these photos of cats. Yeah. So uh, some of us some of us appreciate animals. It's very, very cool. Send that in. Just send it to catspridephoto at gmail.com. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to shoot off into interstellar space. With Space Patrol, stick around. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Space Patrol was a sci-fi adventure aimed at juvenile audiences of the early 1950s via television, radio, and comic books. The success of the TV show spawned a radio version, which ran from 1950 to 1955. The same cast of actors performed on both shows. The writers, scripts, adventures, and director were mostly the same between the radio and TV incarnations. The stories followed the 30th century adventures of Captain Buzz Corey, played by Ed Kemmer, of the United Planets Space Patrol, and his young sidekick, Cadet Happy, played by Lynn Osborne, as they faced nefarious interplanetary villains with diabolical schemes. Not surprisingly for the time, some of these villains had Russian or German-sounding accents. Commander Corey and his allies were aided by such futuristic gadgets as miniature space-o-phones and atomolites. Space Patrol enjoyed great success as one of radio's most enjoyable juvenile sci-fi adventures and is still fondly remembered today. Lisa, do you have your atomolite handy so we can uh, flash it? And uh, we can hit the right button to play this Space Patrol. I'm you have, ready. Did you bring it with I'm you? I'm ready. I've got it in my bag right here. Do you have one of your miniature spaceophones? Oh, I've got it that all. I'm sure you had as a kid. Oh, I've got them all, Carl. You had a yellow phone, I'll bet I you, did. with a long, long yellow cord when you're shag carpeting in your house and yes. you were dialing radio that was stations? My, that was my bedroom. What color was my carpeting, Carl? I'm going to guess you had daisies all over your room. Did you have daisies? I did. You're a psychic. Come on. Did you really have daisies? I told you that. Oh, okay. They were yellow, orange, and green daisies. Really? And my carpet was wow. a green shag. What a girly girl you were. Well, nothing has changed. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, that's good that you it's had good. such a, you had a wonderful childhood. Of Mr. Course. and Mrs. Matanke that's did right. a good job with you, Lisa. Thank you. I will tell I'll them tell you that. that you said that. And, uh, you know, she got out of college, what, you were 45 by the time you got out of college? <laughs> Still working Decided on to it. get into the workforce. Uh, I'm glad you decided to do that. Finally. Well, it's all the money that I figured I'd make when I got out. See, I'm, yeah. I'm doing a good job here. Well, very good job. This episode is from Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1953. It's called The Mysterious Meteor. Here's part one of Space Patrol. Wheat checks, rice checks, and good hot Ralston presents Space Patrol. <laughs> 
high adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol. In today's transcribed adventure, Buzz and Happy have descended into a canyon on Venus to rescue a wounded space pilot. As they reach the injured man, a flash flood roars down the river, piling water up behind the dam above them. We've got to get him out of here quickly, Happy. The water's rising fast. Once we get him to the ledge, we shouldn't have any trouble carrying him to the top. It's a landslide. Press close to the dam. Keep your head down. Smoke and rockets. That was close. We've got to get him up the path. There may be another landslide. Commander, look up there. Most of the ledge is swept away. We're trapped. We'll be back in just a moment with today's Space Patrol story, The Mysterious Meteor. One of the 30th century's greatest achievements has been the transformation of barren desert areas on the planet Earth into rich, fertile farmlands. Buzz Happy and Major Robertson are in one of those regions now, completing inspection of a new spaceport at the Arizona city of New Arcadia, center of a thriving agricultural district. While Robbie is finishing up a few details in the city, Buzz and Happy have taken a surface car for a drive out in the country. Commander, look at that, another meteor. Must be fairly low in the atmosphere. Hey, it must be a whopper, too. Wow, did you see that? It got so hot it exploded. And what a flash. It lit up the whole countryside. Quite a show. I never saw one like that before. Oh, look, there's another one. The earth must be passing through a meteor shower. Hey, it looks like it's coming right at us. Well, when this one explodes, it ought to make quite a display. It better explode pretty quick before it hits. Hey, Commander, it, it looks like it's headed right for the city. Commander, it hit. It landed right in New Arcadia. Well, they're pretty deceptive, Happy. It could have struck several miles beyond. We'd better get into town. If it did land there, it'd be a terrible catastrophe. getting close, Commander. There's a whole area roped off up there. And yeah, the people are jammed around it. Yeah, we'll have to stop here and get out, Happy. We can't get through the crowd with this surface car. Hey, look. There's Major Robertson. Commander, I'm glad you're here. What happened, Robbie? A meteor landed right in the middle of the park. Anybody hurt? No, by a lucky chance. But a few people got showered with dirt and a couple of hundred got the scare of their lives. Well, how big is the meteor? Yeah, it's hard to tell. Dug a crater about 20 yards wide. Meteors way down the bottom of a deeper pit, glowing and red hot. Let's get through this crowd and have a look. Right, Commander. All right, make way, please. Space Patrol coming through. What a crowd. Now there she is. It looks like a huge red eye. We don't know how large it really is. Part of it's buried by the dirt that fell back into the pit. Look at the size of the crater, Robbie. A miracle that landed where it did. A very lucky miracle. Well, they're bringing up the uh, Tomo power shovel now. Well, aren't they going to wait until it cools off before they try to pull it out? Professor King wants to encourage her to make some tests. Professor King? Yes, sir. Professor James King, the meteorite expert. Hold it right there. Hold it. That's the professor shouting at the shovel operator. 
Professor King's been lecturing at the university here. Oh, I recognize him now. I met him a couple of years ago on Mercury. Well, apparently he's seen you. Here he comes. Commander Corey is in this most fortunate. Well, hello, Professor. Yes, it is fortunate. It could have been a terrible calamity. Exactly. If I had followed my usual custom, I would have been home in my study. But something urged me to go for a stroll. And I was only half a block from the park when this green streak roared out of the sky. I was thinking it might have killed someone. That would have been tragic, of course. But think of it. A rare meteor falling right at my feet, so to speak. Uh, Commander, uh, do I have your permission to test it? Of course. Uh, Thank you. I already examined it for radioactivity. How does it test? It's rather high, but not unusually so for an object that has spent millions of years in outer space. It's not dangerous, then? Oh, no, no, except that... Right now, it's rather hot from the friction of the atmosphere. Uh, The shovel operator is going to scoop away some of the dirt so I can check its size. Would you care to watch? Of course, Professor King. Oh, by the way, this is Cadet Happy. How do you do, sir? Glad to know you, Cadet. Uh, Your first meteor? Well, not quite. Happy's had quite a few experiences with meteors in space. Oh, of course, of course. Now, here comes the first scoop. Exploded. No, it didn't. It's still glowing. Yeah, but look at the shovel. You mean look where it was. That huge scoop is gone. The cables are just hanging there. What could have caused it, Professor? I don't know, Commander. The meteor is hot, but not hot enough to melt a steel shovel. Uh, to say nothing... ...and hit by the hot metal. Professor, you better leave that meteor alone until we get this crowd cleared away. Uh, yes, Commander, you're right. Robbie, have the local patrol keep everybody out of the park except the professor and men on official duty. Yes, sir. And Professor, I suggest mm. you get an endurium scoop on that power shovel. You better wait till that meteor cools off a little more. Good suggestions, Commander. I'll follow them. Uh, Robbie, put a guard around the crater. I don't know what we've got here, but this is no ordinary meteor. It's going to be a hot day, Commander. Yes, but it was cool last night. I hope the meteor has lost most of its heat. Oh, I see Professor King is already at the crater. Yeah, with his power shovel and a lot of paraphernalia, it seems. Uh, good morning, Commander. Good morning, Professor. Well, I made a few tests. What did you find out? Uh, the object has cooled considerably, although it's far too hot to touch. Well, I wouldn't advise touching it at all till we know a lot more about it. I managed to make a spectrographic analysis of it. It seems to be of ordinary meteorite composition, uh, chiefly iron and nickel. Uh, The colors show a fair percentage of cobalt, copper, magnesium, and the common gases. Did you find anything to account for what happened to the steel scoop? No, no, young man. Uh, There were no unusual elements present. At least, none have shown up. Uh, Commander, I'd like to dig that meteor out and have it shipped to Terra for a thorough test. It might be a pretty heavy load for a spaceship. Oh, I don't think so. I was able to make some magnetic detection tests. There isn't much more of it underground. It should only weigh about uh, 500 pounds. Well, hand me that case, Happy. Before we start that endurium shovel, Professor, let's make a few simple tests. What kind of tests? We saw what happened to that hard steel last night, so I brought a few small samples of different metals. I thought we might toss them down on the meteor and see what would happen. Excellent idea. Let's go down into the crater a little farther. Aye. What was that? They were going down in the crater? Yes. And crunching? They were like crunching crunch, paper. Crunch, 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 crunch. In the background to make it sound like they're crunching. But they're in space. Would I it know, make that... a sound? I mean... 
Yeah, when you walk on the... I think I have to call the director and producer of this show and tell him, I don't think it would have made us sound like that. You're in space. Um, right? Maybe that it was somebody mistake. was having a Milky Way bar. I am bar. really disappointed. Maybe they're opening a candy wrapper while they were walking around so you can hear that like a Milky Way wrapper. in space. Yeah. I don't think you could hear anything in space. <laughs> well, maybe you don't know what happens on Mars if you haven't been there. Did you know that I studied to be uh, an astronaut, an astronaut in took college? Up space. I took up space. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. I've heard you say that once or it's, twice before. Don't ruin my joke. Why do you got to ruin my joke? I have very little happiness in life, and and it's usually a corny joke, and you have to ruin it. Just, you know? You're going to have to come up I'm, with some new that's jokes. That's it. I that's quit. All. I quit. <laughs> that's okay. I quit. I got this covered, Carl. I'm not even going to introduce the next Tommy Lee Jones clip. <laughs> Please do. From 2007. All right, do you Crime, want me to drama, do it? thriller. I'm not, this is not me introducing this. You know how he found you? Yeah, I know how he found me. It's called a transponder. I know what it's called. He won't find me again. You know what movie this is? Call us. Toll free 855-360-H360. Tommy Lee Jones was in this movie. 2007 crime drama thriller. You know how he found you? Yeah, I know how he found me. It's called a transponder. I know what it's called. He won't find me again. All right, call us right now, toll free 855-360-H360. Lisa will be back without me when uh, we return. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. Yes, indeed, this is Hollywood 360, coast to coast on 100 radio stations. And uh, Lisa Wolf, my co-host here, Mike Costella, our very talented uh, executive producer in the other room, he doesn't want to be in this room with us. I don't know why, Lisa. He, I don't know. I, I showered. I, I can't I'm imagine sure why I wouldn't want to be with you, why, Carl. I, it must be you because I showered. No, I said I can't imagine why I wouldn't want to be with you. Oh, yeah. It no. can't be me. Listen, I shower, I, once, I shower once a week whether I need it or not. Oh, you don't need it. You're you fine. Know, so I'm not sure why he doesn't want to be in this room with us. He, they, he locks us in this ice box of a room. This room is what? Forty below zero. It's if that. I may be exaggerating. It's probably only it's probably only thirty five below zero. It's really cold in here. But Mike is nice and warm and cozy, wearing a little t shirt over down the hall. I don't get it. Why it's so cold in this studio? I don't know. Maybe it's the people. No. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it don't. I just don't get it. Um, But the good thing is, Lisa does breathe fire out of her nose and mouth when she talks, so that helps. Thank you for that, at least, Lisa. I'm just trying to keep things nice and warm and cozy. I appreciate that. You know, that's very thoughtful of you. So, ooh, that's not attractive. Thanks, Lisa. That is not. Lisa's making, she's sticking out her tongue at me. She's she's disrespecting me. Are you disrespecting your co-host, Lisa? I'm being playful with my co-host. She stuck her tongue out at me. I did. Who can I? Is there anybody I can tell or, or you're going to tell on me? Tell Carl? on you? Is there anyone I can tell? You can call on her? my mom and see if she, you Would know, what she's going to do about it. Uh, spank you or do something? Or I don't know. You'd have to ask her. Withhold your allowance or something like if that. If I only got an allowance, then she could withhold it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I should be able to uh, report report you to the to somebody to the authorities and radio some, to the radio bureau. Media. Maybe there's a radio bureau that could lock you up. Oh wow, now yeah. this is getting really there you go. really lock bad. you in under lock and key. And throw away the key. Throw that key far, far away. Carl's in a bad mood. Put tonight. it in a rocket ship and send it to another galaxy. You woke up on the wrong side of the Not bed at today. all, Lisa. Well, not at all. <laughs> Just because you're sticking your tongue out at me. Not very nice. 
I would never do that to you. Oh, I so know. So there. I know that. All You're right. Much so nicer. I digress. Let's play this clip again from uh, Tommy Lee Jones is in this movie. Yes, did you know that, Lisa? I did. Did you? Mm-hmm. Were you paying attention? Yes, I am. 2007 crime drama thriller. You know how he found you? Yeah, I know how he found me. It's called a transponder. I know what it's called. He won't find me again. All right. And let's go out to Minnesota and talk with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Doing fine tonight. Thank you. All right, buddy. Uh, you know this movie? I do. I've seen it probably five, six times. Um, the title is No Country for Old Men. That's exactly right. It's a great movie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's by the Coen brothers, of course, and they're great filmmakers. Um, I used to watch it a lot, you know. Um, when it first came out, I've probably seen it six, seven times. Yeah, well, they he likes to shoot movies out near neck of the woods, out in Minnesota. Um, yeah, well, you know? the Coen brothers are... They're, they're from St. Louis Park. They grew up in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. Well, that's probably why. They like shooting out there, and they're just uh, two of the greatest filmmakers out there today. So uh, really love their films. I mean, obviously, Fargo is one of their great movies, and then this movie, and they've done so many. But, uh, did, hey, Jeff, did you watch the Fargo miniseries that, uh, that was uh, with Billy Bob Thornton? Did you watch any of that? No, I did. I never got into that. Mm, you should, because it was fantastic. And they're also now they're doing a prequel to that um, with uh, with other you know like like ten years prior to that. You should check it out. It was really amazing. Cool. All right. Well, you're a winner, Jeff. My uh, crabby brother's gonna send you some fun prizes. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Great talking to you, Jeff. Jeff knew it, Lisa Wolf. He knew that this was no country for old men. Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardam, Josh Brolin, Woody Harrelson in the movie. Here's a little trivia. Want to hear a little trivia? I do. This will prove that I do prep for this show, too. All right, let's see Okay, there is only 16 minutes of music in the entire film, and much of it is in the opening and closing credits. Well, you did your homework on that one. Yeah. Pretty good, huh? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder what they paid this composer for 16 minutes. Right. And, I could have done that. And most of the 16 minutes were in the opening and the closing. Now, imagine you that. You were listening. Imagine that. Congratulations. That's crazy. Frank. All right, let's get back to Space Patrol. Well, not too close, Happy. We can hit it from here. Yes, sir. Uh, here's a piece of steel. Try that first. Right, Commander. I hope my aim is good. It's gone. Vanished. Why, that fragment disintegrated. Yes. From here, it looks like it chipped a piece out of the meteorite. What'll we try next? Here's a lump of nickel, Happy. Okay. Smoke and rockets, that's gone too. Incredible. Well, Commander, if it destroys everything that touches it, well, why doesn't it just sink into the ground? Apparently, it doesn't disintegrate soil. Now, try this piece of endurium. All right, sir. Hey, nothing happened. The endurium is just lying there on top of the meteor. Well, well, now now at least we know we can dig the meteor out with an endurium shovel. Yes, but don't forget, if you're going to move that object, it'll have to be packed in an endurium box. That's right. Well, we'll uh, need a box about three feet thick on each side, uh, perhaps a little thicker, just to be sure. Good idea. Oh, I can hardly wait to get it to my laboratory on Terra. 
so that expensive tests can be made. Well, you better not try it with any expensive instruments. Mm, it's going to be a difficult object to handle, all right. Professor, we'll leave you now. Happy and I have got to get back to local Space Patrol headquarters and clean up a few details. All right, Commander. Uh, thank you both for your help. I'll have one of my men get a truck and an endurium crate. Professor, I'd like to see you at Space Patrol headquarters before you blast. Commander. Come in, Professor. Oh, I'll get you a chair, Professor Cage. I hope I'm not interrupting anything. Oh, not at all. Won't you sit down? Have any trouble with your metal-eating monster? No, it's packed in an endurium crate, with another ordinary crate around that. And it is now at the new Arcadia spaceport. So you're ready to go to Terra and solve the mystery? Commander, I think I have already solved it. Do you know what makes it destroy steel and nickel? Well, that meteorite will destroy any substance that it contains within itself. But how? Other meteors don't do that. Well, Dr. Rawlins and I have come to the same conclusion. We believe this meteor is matter in reverse. Matter in reverse? Yes. Uh, matter entirely foreign to our part of the universe. It may have come originally from a galaxy millions of light years away where matter is formed in an entirely different way. But you said it appears to be iron and nickel and other substances with which we're familiar. Yes, that's how it appears. But the atomic structure of each element is is in exact reverse. Matter in our solar system has atoms with negatively charged electrons whirling around a positive nucleus. And this meteor has a negative nucleus with positive electrons. Exactly. For years, scientists have speculated about the possibility of such matter. Now we know it exists. Perhaps whole galaxies are made of it. But I still don't see why it destroys other metals. That's only half of the story, Cadet. Part of the meteor is destroyed, too, in another form of atomic explosion. The two forms of matter cancel each other out. They neutralize each other. Precisely. Atom for atom. Commander... If we can learn to duplicate that process, we're on the threshold of a new era. Excuse me, Commander. Oh, Major Robertson. Uh, yes, Robbie? I'm glad the professor's here, sir. There's been a mix-up at the spaceport. That meteor was put aboard the wrong spaceship. What? Well, there's nothing to be upset about. Freight dispatcher traced it. It's aboard a cargo ship carrying mining equipment to Venus. Uh, Commander, we have to overtake that ship. I know, Professor. Robbie, if that meteor should come in contact with a large body of iron or steel, such as a building, it would cause an explosion that would kill or injure everyone around it. While Buzz, Happy, and Major Robertson were in Arizona on the planet Earth, a strange meteor hurtled out of the sky and buried itself in a city park. Attempts to dig it up resulted in steel digging tools being disintegrated in a blinding flash. So far, only the metal endurium has resisted the strange destructive force. It's now believed that the meteor is composed of matter with reversed electrical charges, matter from outer space that can destroy matter as it's known in our solar system. By mistake, the endurium crate containing the meteor was put aboard the wrong ship. Right now, Buzz and Happy are aboard the Terra 5, racing to overtake the cargo ship carrying mining equipment and the strange meteor to Venus. Happy, keep the freighter in the view scope. Yes, Commander. Hey, if he's headed for Venus City, he's losing altitude pretty fast. That's been worrying me, Half. I'll contact him again by spaceophone. Minicori aboard Terra 5 calling cargo ship EC-349. 
Men Corey to pilot Bill Craig aboard cargo ship EC-349. Craig here. Go ahead, Commander. I'm just wondering why you're coming in so low. I wanted to tell you, but I've been too busy to call, Commander. I'm sure you know your business, but those Torlock Mountains aren't exactly anthills. You bet they aren't. Believe me, I'd enjoy being about three miles higher. Having trouble with your ship? Uh, yes, sir. I came into Venus atmosphere on automatic trajectory control, and the control's out of adjustment. Looks like I'm going to have to set down outside the city somewhere on repeller ray. You don't sound very worried. Should I be? Well, you know your ship. Commander, exactly what am I carrying aboard this ship? Why is everything so mysterious? I'll explain it later, Craig. I wish somebody would. All space control told me is that something was put aboard my ship by mistake, and that you'd meet me at Venus City Spaceport and supervise its removal. We didn't want to cause you any undue alarm. The fact is, you've got something very dangerous aboard. Explosives? <laughs> Don't worry, I've hauled some pretty ticklish stuff in my day. You've never hauled anything quite like what you have aboard now. Everything will be all right if you just set her down easy. Okay, Commander. Well, look, uh, right now I don't think I can get above that Torlock range. If I can get any power out of the rockets, I'll deflect a few degrees and head up the canyon. Wow, he must be in a spot. Do you have any rocket control at all? Mm, a little. Enough to maneuver between those mountains. All right, Craig, good luck. We'll be watching. Corey out. I hope he can reach a broad level space to set her down. I hope he does too, Hap. Keep an eye on him through the viewscope. Yes, sir. Sir, why didn't you tell him he was hauling a wild meteor? No sense wasting time explaining. He knows he has a problem. Yeah, I guess you're right, sir. He made it, Commander. Yeah, he's headed up the canyon. I guess he's okay now. Let's hope so. Hey, his speed's dropped way down, sir. He's losing altitude. Corey aboard Terra 5, calling Bill Craig. Craig here, go ahead. How you doing? canyon widens out into a valley beyond Crescent Dam. I think I'll be okay when I pass there. All right, Craig. When you find a good spot, ease her down carefully. Right, sir. Craig out. Well, he's pretty cool about it, I'll say that. He's a skilled spaceman, Happy. He's going to need all the skill he's got. There's the dam up ahead. He's getting awfully close to that canyon wall. Yeah. He isn't going to clear the dam by more than a few... He hit the side of the hill. His ship's skimming along that shoulder. If it'll only hold together. Smoking rockets, Commander. I can't look. Did he hit the dam? Not quite. It's a bad crack up. It broke the hull open. It's hanging over a rock halfway down the side of the canyon. At least the meteor didn't explode. The seal on the endurium crate must have held fast. We'll set the ship down on that flat stretch on the other side of the dam and get to Craig as quickly as possible. Looks at that sky, there's an ammonia storm brewing. I hope it holds off until we get Craig. Climbing is no cinch, Commander. This terrain is rough. Well, a few more feet and we'll be even with the top of the dam. See anything yet, sir? I can see part of the wreckage from here, but no sign of Craig. Come on, Hap, we've got to hurry. Feel that wind. Wow, that storm is roaring down the canyon a mile a minute. You better work fast, Happy. Commander, look. Some of the cargo spilled out of the ship and rolled down into the water. Yes. A lot of the crates have smashed open. Hey, I hope the meteor didn't roll into the water. That looks bad. The hull is smashed, right near the pilot's compartment. I hope Craig is all right. Let's work our way down into the ship. Commander, look. Isn't that a man down there at the edge of the water? It's Craig. He must have been tossed out of the ship. He sees us. He's waving. He's hurt. Come on, hurry. Watch your step. It's steep through here. Happy, there's a ledge that slopes right down to the dam. 
couple of crates stopped there. Sir, it, it, it leads right up to that ladder on the dam near the gate. Well, let's head for it. Sure lucky we trailed Craig into Venus instead of going on ahead to meet him at Venus City. All right. Hey, look at that water level. There must be a flash flood up the canyon. Smoking rockets. Nearly up to where Craig's lying. It's rising fast. You gotta get him out of there. Now take it easy climbing over that endurium crate, Happy. That's the meteor. Hey, the seal's broken. The meteor's part way out of the crate. Now we're in luck. Fortunately, none of those pieces of machinery came in contact with it. All right, let's climb down the face of the dam. Watch that ladder. It's gonna be slippery. Have you out of here in a few minutes, Craig? Here, Happy, help me lift him to his feet. It's my right leg. I didn't mind the ship crashing, but bouncing down the mountain like a rubber ball was pretty rough. Can you put any weight on that leg, Craig? I'll try. I think I can make it. I'd put your arms over our shoulders. Rest most of your weight on us. How do we get him up over the dam, sir? The tough part will be the ladder. From there on, we can work back up the ledge and zigzag to the top. Yeah. I figure I can make it with a boost now and then. All right. Start up the ladder. Okay. It's okay. I can make it. Look at that water. It's rising fast. A landslide. Press close to the dam. Keep your head down. Smoking rockets. That was close. Look at that. If you men hadn't come for me, I'd be buried under several tons of dirt right now. Let's get out of here. There could be another landslide. Commander, look up there. How are we going to get out? The landslide has swept away most of the ledge. He's right. We can get as high as a sluice gate, but from then on, it's sheer wall. Let's get up to what's left of the ledge. We'll be out of the water at least. All right, Craig, get on the ledge. Okay. All clear. Uh, go ahead, Happy. There. There. All right, sir. Here, I'll give you a hand. Thanks. Gee, look at the water now. It's halfway up the ladder. Yeah, and look back up the canyon. It's streaming down at big waves. Commander, do you think it'll come as high as the ledge? Look at the watermark of previous floods. It comes this high because of the sluice gate. Wow. Even if the water doesn't come over the ledge... We're stuck here. If that sluice gate were only open, we could go through the spillway to the other side of the dam. There's a ladder on that side, too. I saw it coming up. How can we get it open? We can't. The control machinery is at the top of the dam. It's operated by remote control from a station far down the valley. Say, maybe they'll open the gate. Uh, By that time, it won't do us any good. See that line painted ten feet over the gate? The water has to reach that level before the flood warning sounds. He's right, Happy. Looks like I... Led you fellas into a trap. I'd only managed to get the ship over the dam. Oh, it isn't your fault, Craig. Well, I suppose we might as well sit down on the crates and relax. I'd be careful of my feet if I were you, Craig. Don't let the metal in your boot buckles hit that meteor. Meteor? What are you talking about? There's a meteor in that crate. That's what we were worried about. If certain metals touch it, they explode. Craig, get off that crate. Huh? But quickly, Happy. Give me a hand with that meteor. What do you mean, sir? Let's get this meteor rolling down the slope of the ledge. Into the water? No, toward the dam. If it gets up enough speed, it might crash into that sluice gate. Sure, but we'll be going fast enough to knock that gate out. Well, no, sir. We... Hey, Commander, that gate is solid steel. Exactly. Hey, solid steel, like the first power shovel scoop. 
Okay, Commander, I get it. Craig, get over behind that other crate. If this works, there's going to be quite an explosion. Uh, careful, Happy. Remove your cadet ring. Yes, sir. It'll be a pretty painful way to find if the meteor has platinum in it. Hey, this, this thing is sure hard to move. If we get it rolling, it won't be so bad. At least it's lighter here on Venus than it was on Earth. Watch your feet. We've got a rolling, sir. Uh, quickly now. Get behind the endurium crate. Hope it doesn't wobble off into the water. Craig, keep your head down. Commander, it worked. There's a great big hole in the sluice gate. Come on, let's get off this ledge into the spillway. Yeah, let's get through before the water does. Hey, Commander, can you see through the dam to the valley? There's our ship. Now, that's a beautiful sight. Uh, Commander, what about Professor King? What's he going to say? I'm afraid the professor will have to be content with telling another story about the big one that got away. Be sure to be with us next Saturday for the exciting story, The Moon Beetles, when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again bring you Space Patrol! High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol! Space Patrol, an original Mike Moser production starring Ed Kimmer as Commander Corey and Lynn Osborne as Cadet Happy, was written by Lou Houston and directed by Larry Robertson. Other players were Norman Jolly, Ken Mayer, and Bela Kovac. Dick Tufeld speaking. Now, don't forget to tune in next Saturday and every Saturday when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again present the new exciting Space Patrol. Be sure to see another exciting Space Patrol story on your local ABC television station. Consult your local paper for time and channel. Space Patrol comes to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network. There you go, Lisa. That's Space Patrol. All your friends out in outer space there, uh, you know, that you hang out with um, right there on Space Patrol. Commander <laughs> yeah. Buzz Corey and uh, Cadet Happy and some of your other friends. Right. Well, I am from outer space. You've I told know me that, that before. Very so. much so. Bang, zoom to the moon, with Lisa. You, Alice. That's from February 14th, Valentine's Day, 1953, the that- mysterious meteor. Is that your favorite holiday, Valentine's oh, Day, Oh, yeah, because I'm so romantic. Yes, I know. I have so many. Every bone in my body is romantic. I've you know noticed, that? I've noticed even that. Even my toes, even my toe bones are romantic. I don't want to see your toes. No, I know. Um, but, yeah, that's Space Patrol right there. Did you like that? I did because it's, you know, it's speaking my language. I know. Um, uh, every once in a while we play a Space Patrol. People like it. I mean, people remember it from television, too. The special effects back in 1953 on TV, not so good. So it worked better on radio, in my opinion, because you have so. the theater of the mind. You know, you have this boundless theater of your imagination, right? Right. All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, out there in Radio Land, who wants to play Stump the Host with me? We will not let Lisa win. We will, as a team, 
not let Lisa stump the host. So call right now, win fabulous prizes. You and I will be teammates. You out there in Radio Land and I, teammates against Lisa. Sounds good. We'll gang up on her. Be two against one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 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 Seriously, oh. you have this wrong because Stump the Host is really meant for me to just, you know, disseminate information. Give us a call, 855-360-H360. Give us a call right now, toll free, 855-360-H360. Play Stump the Host, plus it's the Black Museum.